Hey, I I should be over all the butterflies, but I'm still into you. And even on the worst nights, I'm into you. Paramore? This week on My Taste of Music is Terrible, we rank the entire Paramore discography. Let the intro music drop. Put your feet in. Oh, it is. All right. So in Jonathan's absence, he asked me to make a... He told me verbatim, think of a love tip. (laughs) (laughs) So we do love tips for new listeners for Bailey. Uh, Jonathan Crouch. Our producer. Well, in in one sense, he is our producer. He's the producer for the band. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because one, two, three, four... Four? Just four of us? Yep. It's been a long day. <laughs> Everyone in Fangorn is here except for Jonathan. Except for Jonathan. Technically, he is our producer. Yep. Okay. Anyways. I just realized how absurd it is that, like, one pop-punk fan who's, like, nowhere near as good as Paramore is ranking in <laughs> and speaking critically of Paramore. Just that, that just <laughs> the absurdity of that just made sense oh, to me. Man. Anyways, Jonathan comes up with love. So it came out of the Reliant K episode where he like said something about relationships and we're like, oh wow, thanks for like love tips with Jonathan. And then it like became a segment. So he asked me to think of one. And here's my love tip. If you, if you have a paramour, just don't. Um, don't. Seriously. I got paramoured. I didn't like it that much. So if you if you have one, stop. Don't. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Number three. Okay, my number three. Paramore also, were we supposed to be reading Jonathan's rankings? Oh, I'm sorry. so sorry, Jonathan. We honored you with that song, and now we're <laughs> abandoning your list. Jonathan's number five. Is all we know is falling. Okay. He says the first few songs are good, but the rest of the album isn't that interesting. Was that a good? Was that a good Jonathan impression? That was a pretty good Jonathan impression. Um, his number four <laughs> is after laughter. Um, he likes the songs throughout, and it has cool and like very complete vibe. And his number three is self-titled. One of their Funnest. Paramory. 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 It's one of their funnest albums. It's not good English. (laughs) Had a great time listening to it. A bit of a mess, though. And I quoted Jonathan a a few times on that album. (laughs) Okay. Here's the deal. (laughs) My number three is Riot. Hmm. Uh, Okay, this was my first exposure to Paramore. Uh... Take Fences off the album. 
better album. I respect that they tried to make a swing song. Is it a good song? No. Disagree. Ooh. I know, I disagree too. I, I, I listed lot. that as a highlight of the album. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I also wrote, we're like two trombones away from Scott here, and <laughs> were they listening to Cage the Elephant when they wrote this? Ooh. Yeah, guys. Um, <laughs> and also, I think I love this, question mark. Wow. <laughs> that is my yeah. note. <laughs> it's, it's so weird being the only right one in the room. Um, <laughs> which also reminds me, uh, My Taste of Music is Terrible is the official podcast of Linkin Park lovers, for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um, tolerators. Tolerators. Ska fans. They existed. I wouldn't say I, I love them, but I like them. Wow. So if I sent my mom by listening to them, so that's something. <laughs> but there's no like Lincoln Park poster in your room right now. No. Well, there's not one in my room either. Well, there's not yes. one in my room. <laughs> I don't think. Okay, we've established that none of us have Lincoln Park posters <laughs> in our rooms. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fences, guys, categorically. It's not good. Um, Lyrics to Crush are a little weird. Mm. Lyrics to Crush, Crush, Crush? Yeah. Yeah, Crush, Crush, Crush. Lyrics are just... Crush Cubed? Crush Cubed. Yeah, it is cubed. (laughs) Crush Cubed. It's Crush Cubed. Um, They're a little... Crushed Ice or Cubed Ice? How about Crush Cubed? (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. That was maybe the lamest thing I've said on this podcast. You, you are a dad, though, so it comes in the territory. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we talked the other week about how when you become a dad, the kid exits the womb, then some guy in a trench coat comes in and hands you a book of dad jokes. Uh-huh. You must have just gotten yours, but... Like was late. No, I've had them. Oh, actually, uh, Elise got me a little thing for Father's Day that says "Dad Joke Pending," and it's like just this little desk decoration. (laughs) 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 It's awesome. What were we talking about? So tell us more about how you hate Riot, Dan. Yeah, so (laughs) I freaking hate Riot. Like Lincoln Park more. No. Um, Okay. So, don't. Making me nervous. <laughs> this is really good podcasting. <laughs> He's playing with the, my The lap. visual gag he, really helps. He, he does that with, almost every episode. I do, I do. <laughs> that's, that's his seat. This is I my seat. Lamp. I always sit in this seat. Do you really love Lamp, or are you just saying that because it's in the room? Because it's funny. Your, your, your refusal to film this... <laughs> really is highlighted by your commitment to physical comedy. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> okay, but to piggyback back off that, when he has the mayonnaise and he's putting it in the toaster. <laughs> okay, anyways. Right! Um, so so right. TK's number three album is Riot. Um This is the premier iconic Faro tone. Premiere, because the first note of For a Pessimist, I'm Very Optimistic, which is a great song title. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, mm-hmm. somebody. Um, his tone is, I would almost say, like, 
There's Haley vocal, Haley's vocals. When you think of Paramore, you think of two things. Haley Williams, and then you think of that guitar tone. Mm. Yep. And he does such a good job. Um, uh, Josh Farrow does such a good job with that guitar tone. Um, he just dials it in. I think, I think like, he... I don't know what it is. I've never heard another electric player be able to have something so consistent and so different sounding, especially in 2007. Um, so he just had it dialed in. The, the guy's a genius, um, which even comes out in his Bethel stuff, for sure. Um, Born for This, I think, showcases their deeper uh, than, like, pop roots to the scene, okay? So yes, they did, quote, uh, Under Oath and Slipknot, but there is another band that they hugely reference. Does anyone know what band they're referencing? born for this the refused which is a swedish hardcore band which is like a uh they're like popular but not like that popular so the fact that they sampled one of their songs so when they have the part that says we want our airwaves back that's a refused song mm-hmm. um so the refused would go on to like inspire bands like showbread um and like mm-hmm. blindside so that's the reason why those bands exist uh, but that's, like, a huge big deal because it shows that they're not just, like, this poppy, like, yeah, we're, like, controlled by, um, like, the music industry or, like, right, like they're deep in it. And they, they like, um, I think, things that would uh, identify with, like, uh, other people in that scene. Like, oh, you like The Refused? Cool. Like, that's awesome. Um, not just, like, oh, yeah, we're, we're trying to be, like, an edgier Avril Lavigne. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... This is the best opener of any Paramore album. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have gone a little further with the Stand Up Be A Man part in that song. I think this is the only time I'll ever say this. They could have added screaming to emphasize that point, especially with the tapping, like on the guitars. I think they could have like gone harder. Um, this, this is nitpick stuff. Because <laughs> it's such a good album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other than Fences. Um, okay, so I, this album is, like, a contemporary with, like, MXPX's Secret Weapon, um, so I was come their return to Tooth & Nail Records was, like, a big deal in 2007, and they were coming out around the same time. Um, Southern Weather by The Almost, which is Aaron Gillespie's, like, side project, that came out the same summer. Um, two of those three albums are really good. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> The Walking Wounded by Bayside. So, out of all those four albums that I just listed, this is the album I listen to the most regularly and will revisit. So, it shows, like, something something about it is just kind of timeless. Like, even though I think when we hear that album, like, we're, we're probably, like, transported back in time to a specific point of our, our lives. Um, but I, I remember being, like, a freshman in high school and listening to this and being really impressed with it in the, all the same ways that I am now. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's the end of my notes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, my number three album is the self-titled Paramore. Uh, they... Perfect pronunciation. <laughs> Thank you. Through love is what that means. So kind of works. Whoa. Um, so... I think that 
the thing I liked about it was the thing that you didn't like, which was like it was kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And like <laughs> you kind of mentioned that there was a lot of experimentation. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. I liked that like even though there wasn't a lot of continuity or maybe story to it, which I also like in an album, I liked that I was constantly surprised by what came next. It felt <laughs> kind of like when I just want to put my music on shuffle and don't care what it is and just want to be surprised. So, uh -huh. yeah, I liked that. I had fun listening to this album. And, uh, like, two of the songs on there, the popular ones, Ain't It Fun and Still Into You, are ones that I still listen to all the time mm -hmm. and I just really enjoy. And so, yeah, I, and I think... It was just one that I listened to more than once, and I wish that I would have, like I said, I was driving when I was listening to all these. I've been doing a lot of driving the past few weeks. So I didn't write things down, but I felt like each song, I was like, yeah, okay, I have something I could say about this song. So I just think I was intrigued by this album a little bit more than I was, say, like the past two that I've mentioned. So yeah, for that reason, it gets number three for me. Not my favorite. The next two obviously are my favorites, but, uh, but still one that I go back to, still one that I think you know, there's some hits and misses, but the fact that they were trying things, the fact that there's some differentiation, I think, is what really intrigued me. I like it. Hmm. Agreed. I agree with you. My uh, my number three, and I cannot emphasize how tight of a race the top three was for me, but <laughs> my number three was After Laughter. Um, ironically, I think this is the album I listened to the most just because it was the first one I ever managed to get on vinyl. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I'd always be like, I'm feeling like Paramore. Oh, I have this one. And I'd play it. Um, I think, like, over my life, I'd probably listen to Riot a bit more, but After Laughter, definitely, like, recently, it's been a lot more. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something about this album that's just so interesting to me. It's, like, got this... Like, I think the opening track, Hard Times, really sets the tone for it well with, like, this weird conga beat and, like, this funky, mm -hmm. like, marimba type thing. And it's really weird and fresh. Um, I think, uh, yeah, Told You So had some really interesting vocal processing stuff going on. Uh, Forgiveness has, like, a samba groove to it, which I thought was really weird. Mm -hmm. And I, I wrote, it's like Taylor Swift and Dave Matthews tried to make a Paramore song. Like, there's there's <laughs> vocal links. <laughs> there's, like, vocal links where, like, her voice sounds so much like Taylor Swift. It's uncanny. So like, go back and listen to Forgiveness. And you'll, like, I had to Google it because I'm like, did they feature Taylor on this? Like, just for, like, parts of it? Whoa. It's crazy that you mentioned that. because. Listening to this album again, I didn't think that, but I remember when it came out mm -hmm. thinking exactly that. Listening to that song, going, This sounds so much like a Taylor Swift song. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember, wow. And then, and then like Fake Happy, I thought had a really cool, like weird, flabby snare sound that was like obviously very intentional. Like they put like a rug on the snare or something, and I was like, This is great. Um, 26 was, it was devastating. Like it's one of those like super emotional songs mm -hmm. to listen to. And, um, and then Pool is probably my favorite song on that album. It just, it feels kind of like a throwback, but it's really cheerful. And it's, it's in this interesting, like summer pop punk, like the pop punk pizza party kind of vibe, but it's, that's what this is, but it's still got more of like the, a little bit of that synth to it that they're starting to bring in, but it, it, it like stands in the gap a little bit in my mind. Um, and then also I really like No Friend a lot. It's like. It's just weird and experimental, and it has that... So the the Aaron Weiss part of that song apparently was a letter she wrote to him that he was reading. Like, apparently that's what he's saying is, like, something that she wrote to him. So I thought that was fascinating, because I had to Google that, too, because I'm like, what is he talking about in this song? And um, just, like, the escalation of it I thought was really, I don't know, really great. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a great album. I, it's fun to listen to like front to back, and it feels very complete. Like like they had a vision and they executed on it, and I like that a lot. But it still like goes a lot of strange places. So um, I'm here for it, and I really like it. But it is my number three. Hmm. All right, Tanner. My number three Paramore album is Paramore. Uh, <laughs> That is a theme. My first note that I wrote down for this album, in all caps, says, The Bass Lines. Mm. Because, I'm sorry, but if Jeremy Davis didn't perform and play the bass line for Ain't It Fun, Paramore is cancelled and I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) If he didn't play that, I hate them. If that's a studio musician, hate. Interesting. Was it him? I, I mean, I think so. It better be. <laughs> yeah. It like, was like, it's like a critical moment. Because I was like, no one knows. I was like, play it, white boy. Like, come on. Like, he was on that album, so I would assume it was him. I hope it was, because I've never heard him play bass like that. Interesting. Have you listened to the bass in Paramore before that song came out? Huh. Yeah. Strange. I hear bass first. And then lyrics. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, it was him. Uh, he he toured for that album. Better and played it. So <laughs> it's funny. So it's okay. I don't hear bass unless it like really pops, or unless I'm intentionally listening for it. Mm. See, I hear bass, but that's because I'm a bassist. Yeah, uh, I. because <laughs> I'm. But, yeah, it's because I'm a bassist. But this is also totally weird. But if I. I'm at church and I have my ears in. I turn up the bass because I use it singing harmony. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. Even though I sing an alto line, mm-hmm. but but I use the bass. Yeah, I listen to bass and drums because it's much more of the the beat mm-hmm. and the oh, yeah. dance. The again, going back to like the rhythm. There you go. Yeah. Like that is what you're listening to because that's what you're dancing to. So mm-hmm. that's like you can take so away cool. yeah. the lyrics and everything else. And because that, that doesn't matter when you're dancing, so that's what I really like it too. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, this album I would listen to for just the bass lines, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like every single song, basically, except for the ones with ukulele <laughs> and bass, are like, I just I cannot get enough of Jeremy Davis on bass in this album. It's mm-hmm. so freaking good. It's stupid. Um, I really do like this album, which is funny because when we were talking about covering Paramore, I thought this would be lower on my list, but revisiting it, I remember mm-hmm. how much I love it. Um, and it has some really popular singles on it, which have already been mentioned, Ain't It Fun, Still Into You, um, which are great songs, but where I really love this album, honestly, is in the less like radio popular songs. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the first two that are just a little bit more like punk sounding, like "Fast mm-hmm. in My Car" and "Now," mm-hmm. I I love those songs I love so much. Um, I think that's what's cool about this album. Yes, it is all over the place, and I think that they. I think you're right. I think without the Pharaoh Brothers, they're like, well, now what? <laughs> you know, um, and I think that shows. But I also think that even in their experimentation of all these different sounds, like they do a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love this album. I like the more punk sounding songs. Ankle Biters is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, part two, I really like 
a lot. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite Paramore songs, actually, and I really like the production quality of this album, and part two is the song that I usually listen to when I'm setting my EQs for, like, a car stereo or something. Mm. Is Interesting. Because oh. you can hear every single instrument so well in that song, it comes through so clear. And so I, I think it's easy to get a good EQ listening to that thing. Who else was shocked to see Joy Williams on this album? I mean, like, when it came out, I was like, oh, cool, Joy Williams is on this album. But I wasn't shocked, like, last week when I listened to it. Oh, because last week was the first time I listened to this album. Hmm. Oh, really? But I, I like... For, I learned two things. Number one, Troy Williams is on a Paramore album. Number two, Troy Williams is in Civil Wars. I had no idea. Really? Because she was like what? a CCM artist forever. Right. And that's yeah. like how I knew about her. That's and then I had no idea that she was in Civil Wars. Crazy. I had no idea that she was a CCM artist. I've always known Joy Williams from Civil Wars. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Huh. We complete each other. Look at that. Yeah. For a second, I thought you were about to say that Civil Wars was CCM. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh. <laughs> um, I've never listened to Civil Wars. Yeah, so anyway, I love I love that I love this album. I love the way that it's mixed and mastered. I think it's really good production quality um, for especially the more punk sounding songs. I think they do a really good job of being able to pick apart every instrument. Um, and the bass lines are what I will just always keep coming back to, which is a huge tragedy because it was Jeremy Davis's last album on Paramore, and now he's doing some weird, crappy rap music. That <laughs> what? I, I no. found I found a music video on Instagram or on YouTube, and it's really bad. Like, um, like emo rap? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like rap that he's way too white for. Mm -mm. Uh, um, no, no, no. Yeah. It's like the guy, one of the guys left Tiger's Jaw to be an emo rapper. Interesting. It was like, no. Um, anyway, we've been agreeing a lot, TK. So another arbitrary argument that we had. Yeah, let's do it. Was <laughs> about Jeremy Davis's reasons for leaving Paramore. Right. Let's open this up. So let's open this up a little bit. Yeah, let's open it up. Here's where, here's where my information comes from. Okay. When he left, um, both the band and him made separate posts about mm -hmm. him leaving mm -hmm. um what he addressed in that post was all that he was leaving for personal reasons to be with his family more and stuff um and then it wasn't until the next year that the whole mm -hmm. lawsuit came up about him wanting right. royalties and everything yeah so i don't think that's actually why he left the band you were right i researched it and i was like dang it <laughs> tiki we have to argue why <laughs> Okay, oh, wait. Okay, let, let me dial that back. No, it's okay. Um, but yeah. Well, no, actually, he he <laughs> left the band because... Yeah, I can't even... It's okay. It's okay. So, uh, so every episode, we have to have one arbitrary argument. Yeah, it's like our thing. Yeah. No, it's um, not. It's not our thing. Why would you say that? My, because my, I'm right. my intro was going to be something along the lines of, like, I'm Josh, and I like it when pop punk goes a little metal... And these guys are Tanner, and they argue a lot. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, so he left for basically personal reasons, and then I think what happened was when he wasn't getting paid as much money as he thought he would be getting paid for, you know, the, the music he contributed to, he was like, hey, what the heck? 
And um, as we've mentioned a few times, Haley Williams is the only one actually signed to a record label, mm-hmm. and the rest of the band members are listed as employees. Um, or Which be, is lame. Which is super lame. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you say, consider how much Taylor York and Josh Farrow contribute to yeah. songwriting. Yeah. Right. Um, I, can I, just, I, I don't like Haley Williams as really? a person. As a person, I, I've never met her, but like all the things that I know about her, I'm like. Uh. That's why I'm glad I don't look things up about people I like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I know. I wish I could be in the dark. She, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's still kind of a gray area, and it's it's really messy in like what is actually happening. I think that she has a big part to play in it, which is unfortunate. But also, one thing that um, I also think he's a whiny little girl about it. <laughs> Oh, Jeremy Davis? Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole mess. Um, but also, when the Farrow brothers left, they cited the same thing about yeah. Haley Williams being the only one actually contracted, and then also about the control that both the 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 label and Haley Williams' dad had over yep. the direction of the yep. band, which I thought was really Insane. interesting. Yeah. I'm like, and that came out before Brand New Eyes did. Uh-huh. So, Brand New Eyes is a hilarious album because they're basically like, look at our great band. We're so great. Yeah. We're doing great. Not great. Yep. Yeah. It's We're like those Instagram posts. <laughs> yeah. Girls that are like, I love my husband, but sometimes I hate him. And I sometimes want to smother him with a pillow, but I love him. It's like, just... What's really going, you know? <laughs> this is funny because my number three was also self-titled, and my first uh, note was so much drama. <laughs> because you can, the, the uh, everything that happened around this was was drama. It's, it's interesting because, and you'll hear it when I get there, but that's one of my main notes around Brand New Eyes. Oh. The drama. Yeah. Oh. I, I, as I was listening to this album, I'm sorry, are you done? I'm done. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um... It almost sounds like a concept album about a breakup. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Basically, so, anything I, is a concept like, album if you think hard enough about it. Well, right. so... All right, now I gotta find... Of course, Amazon's not loading now. But <laughs> I should have had the, the song list. Come on, Jeff Bezos. Face <laughs> it. I will say... Um, one of those crazy girls is hel- a hilarious song. It, yeah, yeah, so that is a that is a really fun. I, song. Okay, but in, I didn't even know, mention this, but like that. No, never mind. <laughs> I, can I say something else about that song? The the way that the melody flows in that song and the way it's composed remind me of Green Day. Oh, <laughs> I can see that. Mm-hmm. Like Dookie. I, I yeah. say I say that about the concept album and it being about a breakup. Uh, based off of the titles of the interlude, but some of the lyrics of the other songs in between. But there's Fast in My Car and Grow Up Daydreaming and then this interlude called Moving On. And then there's this, uh, these other, the other songs, Ain't It Fun, Last Hope, and Still Into You, and then this interlude called Holiday. And then uh, Proof and Hate to See Your Heartbreak, one of those crazy girls, and then interlude that's I'm Not Angry Anymore. <laughs> and I just was like, huh, I think it's about a breakup. But it's my number three. Um, I It doesn't have as much guitar. So I talked about this flip-flop with Riot for me, um, and that was one of the uh, hitting points, is that uh, I I wish that it had more of the guitars. I miss the guitars. 
uh, from from Riot, um, but <laughs> uh, I still think that they like they brought in all these other musicians, and I think that they still did a good job maintaining their sound to a certain extent. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you guys mentioned the end of part two, mm-hmm. uh, and I listened to that, and that was one of the things that pushed this one over the top for me for to make it number three, is uh, I, Haley, the beginning was very vocal about her faith, and as she's gone on, she hasn't been. And this is one of those, this record is, you know, things started falling apart a little bit for the band and then you have this one song lyric where basically at the end of the song she's like I'm just a reflection of the moon take me use me for your glory and it's so very clearly a reference to God and mm-hmm. what he can do through her I I was very impressed mm-hmm. uh, with it because there there are they, they, they said this at the beginning. The pharaohs especially said this at the beginning in, a, in an interview. They said uh, that we're all Christians, but we're not here to preach to people. We just want to have fun with our, with our music. Hmm. We all love music. Um, and because of that idea, there, there are very, very precious few references to their faith in the lyrics of these songs until you get to that part and it's it's blatant, and I really mm-hmm. liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that was it. Number three for me, self-titled Paramore. <clears throat> yeah, like the band, All Sons and Daughters. Mm-hmm. So she's like a part of the church that they came out of, which is cool. Huh. Interesting. Oh, I can see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They got like really big after she posted about it. Not surprisingly. Um, okay. <laughs> they and now like they're huge. And now they're now they're you now they're the next you too. Um, now they're the next the fray. You know what's interesting about all sons and daughters is all um, S's and D's. The yeah all S's and D's, which is a quicker easier way to say it. Right. Um, <laughs> is um, the website small medium large extra large vinyl. Mm-hmm. When you go. To the rock, the music Christian section. SRC vinyl. Yeah. When you go to the rock music category, All Sons and Daughters shows up, and I'm like, huh? Not even. <laughs> not even. Not even. What are what are they citizens? Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, that was an entirely unrelated. Story. What are they? King's Kaleidoscope? No. All right, number two. Number two. Wait, what is Crouch's number two? Oh, and is number three. Josh, we already did his number three. We did. We already did. did. Was that when I was in the bathroom just now? No. No. That was, that was you were hey, right here much? when we did it. Oh, we did his number three before your number three. Yeah. Yes. That's why he's oh, starting us out. For we're doing time. Crouch is going first. Yeah. Yeah. I was confused. Yeah, uh, I forgot about him in the beginning. Jonathan Crouch's number two is Riot. He says, I thought it would be number one, but just edged out. It was my number one for a long time and my first introduction to Paramore. Uh, it's just not as mature as the music I listen to now, usually. Mm. My number two Paramore Paramore album is... Every time I see... I wrote B&E and I keep thinking Breaking and Entering. Yeah. Brand New Eyes. 
This album goes so hard. Um, I just this is the only Paramore album that I wouldn't change a single thing. But it's not number one. But it's not number one. Last half was way stronger than the first half. Um, looking up feels. What the crap did I write? Um, feels a little pretty since the fault lines were exposed. Oh, it feels a little petty, right? Because the fault lines of Paramore were exposed mm. before this album was released. Um, and I, I basically bought this album knowing what was going on. So listening to it, it was kind of like, <laughs> like <laughs> you want to write a song about that? Like, okay. Um, so I do want to say though that the breakdown where they I can't believe we almost hung it up is is like one of my favorite breakdowns ever and just it's so much fun uh gosh yeah like all the serotonin in your brain just explodes yeah and you're just like yes um okay I think Riot m- confirmed that Haley Williams was a good vocalist but Brand New Eyes made her a legend Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing too to notice about this album which is unique to the other ones is her phrasing and <clears throat> I think like I'm not I'm, I would never refer to myself as like a vocalist okay or, but I, I as somebody that like studies this stuff and like listens to a lot of pop punk in, in, in a not ironic or sarcastic way like I really enjoy this music I want to say that the way she f- uses her phrasing is is in this album is very punk. She's not a pop vocalist in this album, and and it's mainly in her consonants, like in the way that she goes into vowels. Um, so Tom DeLonge, who's like my favorite guitar player ever, who's the like guitarist of Blink One Eighty Two, the rightful guitarist of Blink One Eighty Two. Screw Matt, keep it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but also you're not. But also I'm I'm really not. Uh, who ruined who? Blink-182 or Outland Trio? I don't know. Um, so anyways, the way that he sings is the way that she then is inspired to sing in this album. So if you, if you go and compare kind of like the whole like enema of the state era of Blink-182 into Brand New Eyes, very similar. And what's interesting too, so bands like Modern Baseball, um, who's like one of the biggest pop punk bands like of, of right now, like, uh, they specifically started as a Paramore cover band. Hmm. Um, and then if you listen to, like, uh, Real Friends, his phrasing, the vocalist of Real Friends, I can't remember his name, his phrasing is exactly like William's phrasing. So it's like th- the literal way you say words can define a genre, okay? And sh- she, she continued the thread of what DeLong was doing um, and just does it incredibly like she's not she's not uh very reserved or soft in in these like attack moments she just attacks the words and i love that mm-hmm. um like in the i can't believe we almost like she just goes for it and puts so much passion into those lyrics um yeah and i think that that's like what sticks out the most about this album i seriously like the second half of it is incredible and, and i love the the last track too because it almost is like, again, like going into Jimmy Eat World, it's almost like Jimmy Eat World-esque, uh, Further Seems Forever, like kind of, e- they're more like emo, reserved stuff. Melodic, moody. Okay. 
hopefully that made some semblance of sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so my number two is Riot, which I was kind of surprised by because it's just the album I fell in love with, I think, like a lot of people. Um, but I also kind of thought maybe I'd go back and listen to it and be like, oh man, my taste was terrible back then. But no, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. It was great. They're still great. Um, and I think just the, my connection to this album more than anything, but I also like, I think, uh, what you get, that's what you get is one that I loved growing up and I still enjoyed. Crush, Crush, Crush was one of my favorite albums ever, or favorite songs ever. And still, it was just like, I felt like I had just listened to it yesterday when I listened to it. I knew all the words. I felt right, right back in it. It just was great. Fences, I loved. I disagree with Tanner. Okay. Because he's wrong. Cause it's okay. Right. We it's often, right. often disagree with Tanner. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the guy that's always wrong on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, Fences is one of my favorites. It's just a great album. And actually... Um, recently, my nieces were visiting. I, it was for a big family thing, and uh, I'm really close to my nieces, always have been, but they moved away to Oregon, and so I don't see them as much, and they've just grown up without me. But um, they're like 12, or no, 13 and 15 now, and one, a, a song from Riot came on, and they didn't even know who it was. I was like, oh, it's Paramore, and I played one of the more recent songs. Like, oh, yeah, we've heard them. We know what, uh, we know what they, you know, we know their thing. But I had them listen to uh, a couple songs from Riot, and they fell in love with it and listened to the whole album on their drive home to Oregon and just, like, loved Paramore now. And I was like, because they're at that age that I fell in love with them, too, you know, 12 mm -hmm. to 15 kind of era. Mm -hmm. And it was just cool to see, like, this album is so good and just generation by generation lives on because mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. So um, wasn't my top, but really close. I went back and forth because I enjoyed so much. I listened to it a couple times and uh, yeah, it was great. That's awesome. My number two is also Riot. I think that's the third Riot at number two, right? Crouch <laughs> put it there as well. He did. So, yeah. yeah uh, you know, I think the funny thing is I think I was going to, I had the opposite feeling of what's been expressed of like I think some of some of you were like, oh, I probably wouldn't be as good as I remembered, you know, when I go back and listen to it. I was surprised it didn't hit number one for me, just because I, I have been listening to this music in this album, basically, I've never stopped, you know, so it's like, <laughs> I don't know, just, like I said, I, like, I warm up to misery business a lot of times, and like, I don't know, it's just a classic. I forgot, sorry, I was just going to say one thing about misery business. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. Interrupt you real quick? Go for it. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is why I should write things down, so otherwise I forget. <laughs> Misery Business, I was really intrigued, because that was my favorite song for so long, it was for everyone, but going back and listening to it, and like, watching the music video again, I was like, this is kind of one of those, uh, like, not like other girls kind of songs, sure. so I was like, this isn't really a very good message in this. But they won't tour that song anymore. Yeah, see, and I was wondering whether that is, if it's not very, like, PC anymore. Or well, like, she actually, that she's received a lot of flack on that song really? about it being misogynistic. Oh. And it, uh, she is, she's actually fairly outspoken as a feminist, mm -hmm. and so she's mm -hmm. like, she's like, I, I wrote that when I was a kid. Like, yeah. give me a break. <laughs> and that's the thing, is I remember listening to it and being like, yeah, like, cool, revenge song, you know? Right. But I, uh, yeah, listening to it again, I was like, oh. So that's interesting to hear. And I didn't look anything up or anything, but it's interesting to hear that, like, that's kind of been put on the back burner. Right, which is a bummer, because I'd love to hear it live. It's a great song. You know, it is a it banger, is. but, like, yeah. 
It'd yeah. be like, imagine if, like, Reliant K played mood rings now, you know? Do they not do that anymore? It's I don't know. It's so funny. Like, it, that one's clearly <laughs> a joke. I keep forgetting to bring you those mood rings. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, so, just kind of going, <laughs> going through this album a little bit, I, I, uh, I love the opener. For pessimists, I'm pretty optimistic. It's just so, like, blistering, and just, they come at you so hard. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like that they put it first, because they're like you know, trying to set the tone for this album, and really, that's what I think of when I think of this album, it's just that energy and that, like, mania. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I think of when I think of Paramore, is that yeah, song. Right, the, just the whole, yeah, aggression almost, and just, like, like, Haley does such, like, guttural things with her voice that really hit harder than than if she didn't, that I just, they, I, I find them very interesting. Um, that's What You Get is also an interesting track because the the, like, the kind of drum tracking they do on that is actually kind of similar to a lot of their later stuff where it's almost like a disco vibe where they're going double time on the hi-hat. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to see, like, proto, you know, stuff from, like, their later... I know the instrument... Like, the, the musicians change around, but kind of, like, that stuff was always there to some capacity. And then... And I, I also wrote that, like, this album feels like, you know, they're no longer, like, a Nickelodeon band. Like, the first album feels like they'd be, like, a really good band that would be on, like, a Nickelodeon show or something. And this album's, like, we're bigger than that now. Like, you know, you, you were playing Warp Tour or whatever they were doing back then, you know? Like, we've <laughs> a lot of work made it out of out of that. So, um, Hallelujah had some really bizarre sound right at the beginning, though. I wrote, like, did someone drop a suitcase right at the beginning? What on earth was that sound? Like, it's... Go back no, and listen to it. There's this no way. horrible clunking sound, and it has this little <clears throat> stabby synth. It's, like, the first time they really used a synth in much capacity, but it's terrible, and it really drives me crazy. That Hallelujah is the one song that like drives me nuts on this album. That's like my favorite song on the album. <laughs> There's something about We're, that synth that's just like we can agree to disagree. My brain. <laughs> yeah, um, fences makes me want to die. <laughs> <laughs> and the crush, 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 I thought was really innovative for the era. Like there was like I don't know if any other bands were making something that was like the whisper part of it is like fascinating that you put your like title line in just like a whisper. Yes. We did cancel Whisper vocals last week. Did we? Yeah, yeah we, we, we canceled did, we did. them. We got in, well, we got in on fair, canceled we, we canceled Whisper vocals after listening to Skillet's discography. Okay. <laughs> right. So that's <laughs> canceled, by the way. Okay. Well, we can cancel Skillet, but I don't think we should cancel Crush, Crush, Crush. Oh, because man. <laughs> that's a great song. And then We Are Broken, I wrote, This is what Rebecca St. James wishes she could make. <laughs> that, was my, that was my note. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, I just um, wanted to make yes. a quick note about Warp Tour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, thinking of the of the bands that play mm-hmm. Warp Tour, okay. Paramore's first appearance on Warp Tour, and they played Warp Tour twelve times this year, was two thousand five. Mm. Haley would have been sixteen years old. Can you imagine being some of the bands on Warped Tour, and this 16-year-old girl walks up on stage with a 14-year-old guitarist and 12-year-old drummer? Okay. Destroys you. Think about this, like, main stage Warped Tour, and then she does what she does on the stage, and they sound like they do? Can you imagine? The reason that, one of the reasons Paramore got big is because of their stage presence and how they toured and how they performed. Mm-hmm. But that makes it even crazier knowing how old they were yeah. when they did that. Yeah. And but that, I just, like, it blows my mind. If you can think about some of the crazy bands that go on Warped Tour and then you have this 16-year-old girl 
come up there on the stage and then just has anyone here been to Warped Tour? I got to go. I, my so close, and then it's not. My a mom thing never let me go. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> my mom really didn't let me go. My mom definitely not let me go. I almost went the last year that it was happening, and I was definitely an adult. But yeah, my cool older cousin, shout out to Kelsey Pigman. Uh, <laughs> get right into the pot. Five times, I think. What? She, yeah, she's yeah. the one, like I said, that got me into Paramore. And, my like, brother-in-law, his sister went like four or five times as well. And and it was like, it was always the kids that were a little older than me that were allowed to go to the Warped Tour. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I still, I would have loved to go. I had a yeah. bunch of friends that would go all the time, but I was... By the time I was able to go, it was mainly like really bad metalcore bands that I didn't want to see. Right. Yeah, I haven't really had a desire to, but but it's it's over. It's not anymore. But it's funny that you mentioned just how young they were too, because go back and listen to the Misery Business acoustic version, and that's just like a shocking reminder of how young they were. Because her voice is so young in that recording, like Mm -hmm. especially compared to her solo project, it's like. You know, I don't know. It it just it kind of stopped me, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is like a kid." Yeah. Like, I mean, this is two thousand seven, so she was probably eighteen, right, when they recorded this. It, if she was sixteen when they did the first one. Do you guys know that Misery Business like comes right out of scripture too? Does it? Like, yeah. There's like pieces of it that are lifted, and the, even the title is like they're talking about like conflict. I think it's in Proverbs, but they say like it's a miserable business. Hmm. And so. Interesting. That's I really that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's like the personification of lust, the improper. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yes. And is she so angry? I angry Haley is my favorite Haley in that <laughs> song. She's just like laying it on. See, so. the, the, why couldn't we have had Melkor Haley? <laughs> You're gonna get fat. <laughs> but anyway, right. doesn't she say that in that song? I don't think so. <laughs> she got a body like an hourglass. It's ticking like a clock. clock. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. You're gonna get yeah. that. Right. Not in so many words. <laughs> I mean, but anyways, yeah. My number two is Riot. It's super solid. I love it. Just front to back, it's like aggression and like just fun to listen to. So. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Sounds like an Australian saying right. Right. <laughs> my number two Paramore album, yet again, is Riot. Wow. Um, also kind of shocking for me. I definitely thought going into this, Riot's number one, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, it is their best album. But it's just not my number one album. Um, so, yeah, I mean, talk about a legendary pop-punk album. Like, and we've, we've said enough about it. Honestly, I don't need to talk too much here, but, um, especially after talking about it three times right before me but um it's it's just like like you said tk when you think paramore this is the sound you think of you mm-hmm. think of the sound from riot mm-hmm. that intro to for a pessimist and like it's just man it's it is just iconic um as of this year in april it went triple platinum mm-hmm. nice um congrats so, guys yeah so, right into the pod so truly, truly legendary. Um, this album was definitely their breakthrough album. Um, I mean, you know, we talked about how their first album wasn't super successful in the U.S., um, but it was enough to get their name out there. And then they did this album, and it just skyrocketed them up alongside all the other bands playing a Warp Tour. Essentially, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, On Warp Tour, they it was Paramore, No Effects, and 
under oath for that stage. And Fat Mike hated both those bands because they started a Bible study on Warp Tour. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he, because like NoFX is like the Warp Tour band. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because like I kind of feel like I agree with Fat Mike because he, he hated them because they brought Christianity and like church to the Warp Tour. And that was like his safe place from that. In a weird way, I like sympathize with him. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just unpopular opinions. I can see what you're saying. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. It's like uh, just, just don't be weird. Sure, like don't, don't be exclusionary. Right. Yeah. Because they would like get together. It would, it would be under oath in Paramore. Yep. And they would hang out and like have this Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, God did some pretty neat things with that Bible study. Did he though? Yes. Listening to some of the early interviews from Under Oath about not necessarily banned people, but people that were attending work tour mm. coming in. That's kind of and cool. and, it, and it, hearing something that they'd never heard before okay. from people that they liked listening to. Mm. So he would say on uh, Fat Mike would say on stage, "I'm in a Christian sandwich," because it was. Yeah, like those bands. That's interesting. Um, and then he would uh, always slam under oath and say, they don't believe in dinosaurs because they're Christians, because I was like, in his head, that like, was <laughs> what it meant to be a Christian. So they, under oath made a shirt with a dinosaur on it that said, we don't believe in dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> and I want that shirt. If someone can find that shirt for me, please do. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's, that's pretty funny. Um, speaking of unpopular opinions... I am actually not all I mean okay it is an amazing song and I'm not saying it's I'm not saying anything about the quality of this song in saying this but I'm not really that big of a fan of Crush 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 as a song thanks I I don't know I'm getting sick of you guys agreeing with each other I know it's really <laughs> weird it's really weird okay but okay you know what let me just end this right now I love Fences okay <laughs> so it's good. not this. good just cause it's different doesn't mean it's hey, good. I didn't say it was good because it's different. I think it's good because Mr. It's I Love Sky in 2021. <laughs> it's good because it's enjoyed by four out of five listeners. Ooh. Ooh. We're like the dentists over here who like four oral beef. And who are you? I'm the one that's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> don't, don't put that on your tooth stick. <laughs> so don't brush your teeth with fences. Is what I'm saying. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, this album builds on, I think, what they kind of start in their first album as a lot of, I mean, well. As that thing tends to go. Yeah, as, as that tends to go. Um, except it was successful. Um, unlike many, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason sophomore slump is a term, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is absolutely not the case with Paramore. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I mean... So, the way that I describe it, you know, TK kept saying, when you think Paramore, you think of this album and the sound of this album. Um, I wrote down, I, when I listen to Paramore, Paramore, this, like, riot to me is like, it's like the city center. Like, if, if, the, if Paramore were a city, then riot's like the city center, and there's all these kind of branching streets that go off to their other sounds that they've mm-hmm. explored and stuff with their other albums. But it's all kind of connected to what, like, the heart of it is what makes Paramore Paramore, and that's Riot. Mm. Um, and 
yeah, I mean, I think that, like, a lot of what they do after Riot explores kind of each each album kind of explores a different area or genre or you know different sound it does some new things while still mostly holding on to the heart of what Paramore sound is which I think really comes from Riot so um, Riot is my most revisited Paramore album that is definitely the one that I've listened to the most in my life and probably will continue to be even though it's not actually at number one on my list yep how many of us have it on vinyl? Nice. Cool. The people who listen to all three <laughs> all that have record players. Three out of three. <laughs> uh, number two for me is Brand New Eyes. So far, that means I'm the highest ranked for Brand New Eyes. You should take that home. Then. Except that's what I said when you guys came in. I was like, I as I was listening, if I had a record player, I think that I would want to bring this one home because I I really like this record. Uh, this just, album. Just, just wait. Um, oh, you just wait. Clearly, you have not been deducing no, yeah. <laughs> the albums I've already said. Um, so <laughs> uh, I think that this album, I, and we talked a lot about the background stuff like that, but I think that they really, she really grew up lyrically in this album. Um, I, and and maybe the reason that I like this album so high on my list now, is because I, you know, I maybe relate to the lyrics more because she was more grown up when she wrote these lyrics as opposed to some of the other albums, the earlier albums. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I like that. I, I also, uh, just one note that I had, um, I, so I listened to, to all these albums last week and then I listened to them all today and then I listened to everything kind of like skip through song skip through song and one of the things that popped out to me today on like the third listen through of just skipping through was uh playing god is clearly speaking out against judgmental christians and i i i thought that was hilarious and i really liked it (laughs) um yeah that was that i don't really have a whole lot to say about this album but i I I really like this album as I as I listen to the songs going through it, um, and yeah, uh, yeah. There we go. Uh, did we say uh, number two for? We did. Jonathan. Okay. Did right. Should we say his number one? We should. All right. All right, Jonathan. Jonathan's number one. Drum roll. Jono. <laughs> we told okay. We told him to drum roll the other week, and he was like. <laughs> Technically, okay, okay, so drum roll for Jono. <laughs> uh, brand new eyes. Whoa! Whoa! He says a more mature riot. Uh, fun, introspective, and good all the way through. The back half is just as good as the first. That actually is an interesting thing to say uh, because we are, with this album, getting in well into the time period of records making singles and not albums. Mm-hmm. And so that is, that is an interesting note. All right. All right. TK. Oh. Never mind, we'll get there. TK, number one. Number one, After Laughter. Ready to just 
get a lot of this non- was my garbage five. and uh, was also my wadded up pieces of paper thrown at me. And when you said that, I was I or when you said yeah, it was a good album, TK. I'm with you. Okay. None of us said it was a bad album. That's true. Yeah. Good point. I, if given the choice, to only listen to Taking Back Sunday and Academy is my whole life, or like Valley and Joan and Fangs, I would pick the pop music, because I, I just really like pop, um, which is a little surprising, but... I am very surprised. Yeah, I, I, I think that Paramore is a better pop band than they are a pop punk band. I, I just think they are, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, this I album... Hard I, I definitely disagree. <laughs> cool. Well, awesome. I. But my taste in music this... is terrible, so... <laughs> It's my house. <laughs> oh, it's not though. Um, okay, I want to say that this album is a flawless transition. If you look at the the like the gray scale of Paramore, it's the flawless transition to pop. It makes so much sense. You're kind of like, cool, saw this coming. And I think Zach returning to the band shows a lot of maturity and growth on everybody's part. Um, I think he along with York, they just, like, held hands and then were like, let's make an amazing album. And then they, like, ran off into the sunset together that way. And then they did, and it's so great. Um, <laughs> and Haley sang while they did it. And <laughs> Haley was like, okay, I'm going to be over here being drama. Um, okay, okay. Because I, I love the York regime, but then to have it, co- like, combine forces with the Faros, come on. Well, one of them. One, one of them. them. One of them. We'll talk about that. Uh, if somebody was like, I'll give you $8,000 if you go dance, I'd be like, nah. I'm not in it for the money. But if somebody was like, well, I'll play After Laughter, I'd be like, okay. Because it's just a good album. It just makes you want to, like, m- move a little bit. You know what I mean? Bailey knows what I mean. <laughs> I have a lot to say about After Laughter. The bass parts, so if you guys have ever heard of the band Beck, mm-hmm. or the artist Beck, yeah. so his bass player recorded all the bass parts to this album. Mm-hmm. And they're amazing. Yeah. I don't listen to Beck. Did um, he win, like, album of the year? Something like that. Like two Pro- years ago? Probably. Yeah. Um, all of the electronics are flawless. They magnify... Okay, the thing that I love about After Laughter is the electronic parts magnify the instrumentation instead of the other way around because a lot of bands are like let's write a really great electronic part and then put instruments around it mm-hmm. and I, I feel like they did it the opposite way so I feel like again the partnership of Faro and York was like just crushing it this this album I would, I would say that's true except for Hard Times um yeah so like they went Daft Punk agree. by the end of that song yeah so that was very like the guitar it's times. like Daft Punk meets Talking Heads when yeah. Hard Times came out as the first single for After Laughter I was a little disappointed because I was like where where the hell is the guitar <laughs> yeah <laughs> what happened Paramore <laughs> but I, I want to say though that again I'm gonna get garbage done at me take 26 off the album better album agreed makes no <laughs> sense tonally I, I and again it's not I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm saying the tone and direction of the album, it makes no sense with that. Mm. Until 
uh, York starts putting his like very um, his like very interesting um, uh, guitar part to it. I I think if it was more if that was going on the entire time, it would make more sense. Again, I like the song. I just don't think it makes a ton of sense with the album. Um, Obviously, Aaron Weiss being on uh, No Friend is like my favorite. Uh, I love Me Without You so much. Um, Oh, Combined Universe. At the Rialto in Bozeman, I saw Me Without You play with Tiger's Jaw. So... That's pretty neat. Yeah, they were... And he's... Okay, Aaron is so cool because he, like... Um, he'll be on the stage, and then he'll go kind of back behind everything and behind the speakers and the, um, like, the amps. And you, he just puts a hand up, and he's, like, praying over the entire auditorium. And he, he's just, like, this really interesting character. Um, yeah, he's amazing. And they're all, like, really old guys, too, and they just shred. So, uh, anyways, yeah, I think uh, Haley's vocals in Fake Happy are incredible. I love the the emphasis on mental health in this album, although it did feel a little bit kind of like, because uh, at that point, Touche Amore already put out Stage 4, Sorority Noise already put out You're Not As Blank As You Think You Are, Modern Bass of All already put out uh, Holy Ghost, The Wonder Years already put out uh, No Closer to Heaven. So it, the the, like wave of music about mental health already was like an established thing so I did feel a little bit like they were kind of bandwagoning like oh no I'm super rich and successful but like my life is hard too like and that's kind of the way that I interpreted it I I know that there are unique struggles that go along with like who Haley Williams is and like obviously like just because you're successful doesn't mean that your life isn't hard but it felt a little trite, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be honest. But again, I don't really like her. <laughs> so, a little bit of judgment. So I'm a little, very much judgmental. Um, I can close these windows, too, if you're no, cold. You're cool. Um, yeah, really like After Laughter. Want to find this on vinyl. If that were After Laughter, it would be mine. <laughs> no question. <laughs> the black and white marble looks really good. It is really cool. I've had so many opportunities to buy it, and then I don't, and then I kick myself. <laughs> every time that we cover a band, I go on Discogs and look up every single vinyl variant of all their albums, and I'm like, it's I want so this, much one, this one, and this one, and this one. <laughs> you did that for Skillet? <laughs> actually, actually, I did look up Collide Comatose, and there's, like, nothing of Skills has ever been pressed to vinyl. Yeah, I know, I look. That I does not look. surprise me literally at all. I, I did look, because I was yeah. curious, and I couldn't find any vinyl. Yeah. Save um, the vinyl. <laughs> Don't press skillet on it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your text before that episode, I read it when I got it yeah. on the on the episode. Yep. It, it made me laugh so hard. That's awesome. <laughs> I would maybe get comatose on vinyl. Oh, I would to- I would get in a heartbeat I would get comatose on vinyl. Yeah. Co- co- sorry, comatose. I, I, I still it bothers me that you you like you have to say it comatose. Well, it's like bag or casino. <laughs> You're the only person I've ever heard it say comatose. Or casino. I've never heard that. Before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone says bag, but... I can say words how I want. <laughs> yes, you can. 
don't yeah, know. Even if you're wrong. children how to say words, though. Teaching so. children to, to read good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I tell them, feel it out. Yeah, like, thinking about those diphthongs. Right. <laughs> Whatever. And they're like, yeah. you mean sound it out. Just say what it looks like to you. Yeah. What, what is the word to you, Billy? <laughs> that's a bow. That's a bow. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's continue. Whoa, okay. So, uh, I'm also putting After Laughter as number one. What? It was so stinking good. And I think it's just the time of my life I'm listening to it that it's like, honestly, you know, seventh to tenth grade Bailey would not have liked this, but I love it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a couple songs that I knew pretty well and listened to a lot, like uh, Hard Times and uh, I think Fake Happy where I think I saw the music video and then just got really into them. But as I've told Tanner, I'm really bad at if I like a song or a, an artist. I don't listen to an album all the way through. I like pick and choose, this is a good song, and put it on a playlist. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Which, you know, I, I think is, now I'm realizing I should really dive into some of these albums because listening through this was so good. And mm-hmm. I listened through it so many times. It has been on repeat. Um, and I think... Just, I, I disagree a little bit. I don't think they're better at pop, but I think they are, are as good at pop as they are at punk. And I was uh, impressed. I agree with that more. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's so, it's just so good. And I am not, I don't listen to a lot of pop music. I usually do very, like, mellow indie stuff. But I think that this album just is all the best parts of pop. And, like... I think that someone mentioned there's some simplicity in the writing and, and in some of it, but I think that goes well with pop a lot, and I think that something doesn't have to be complex in order to um, get the point across, I guess, necessarily, and in this album, that's kind of how I feel. Like, I felt like I, I understood and related to so many of the songs really well, even though they're not all that complex, I felt kind of complex things about them, I guess, um, and especially... Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at it, and she was about my age when this came out, 28. And so I feel like what is being sung about is so relatable to this stage of life as far as, like, this kind of loss of the innocence of youth and realizing you got to grow up and realizing life is not as sunshine and rosy as maybe you expected or wanted it to be, but also, like, not letting that... I don't know, not letting that get you down or, like, I think that the the kind of juxtaposition of, like, complaining about life but to this really upbeat way, I love that, like, dance your problems away kind of idea or laugh at your problems, which is, you know, called after laughter. And I think that um, when I'm not feeling great, when, you know, you're feeling a little down, this is the kind of music I want to listen to, something that, like, acknowledges your feelings but not, like, is not making you more depressed. It's upbeat. It's exciting. I, I put it on and I want to dance and like I said, dance is very connected to music for me, so that was probably part of it. Um, I loved almost every one of these songs. There were just a few of them that didn't hit me quite as much, but like um, I really liked Hard Times, Rose Colored Boy, Told You So, Fake Happy, 26, Pool, Caught in the Middle, Idol Worship. Like I related to them. I felt them, and actually, you mentioned how 26 doesn't feel like it belongs, but for me, especially, maybe I'm reading too much into this, especially with the title of the album being After Laughter, but it's kind of like laughing at your problems until, like, you are sort of 
you can't laugh at them anymore and then you're really somber about it and like cry and then you kind of feel better <laughs> and I think that that's sort of how this felt it starts off like super upbeat and like dancey music and then getting into like 26 is where it's sort of just like kind of petering down and then sort of reflective after that at least I don't know just the tone of it and so just feeling like kind of dealing with admitting or like issues in your life or admitting to things not being the way you want them to be, it felt very true to this kind of time of life, I guess. So that's what I really enjoyed about it, is I was like, yeah, I can relate to this. I've been feeling this way. I feel like, you know, it, it's that kind of like she says in um, Caught in the Middle. It's, it's that time like in between like adolescence, youth, when you can do things and and people are like, ah, oh, you're young, get in, you can get away with it. And then having to actually grow up and realizing like that that in between time is kind of hard. It's kind of hard. It's tough to get through. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. But and I guess like it could also be, I don't know, reading into things or me being kind of angsty. But <laughs> I think uh, it. One thing I really appreciate about Paramore, um, and I mentioned this before with a couple of the other albums is I feel like whatever stage I'm at, I relate to what she's mm -hmm, saying, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think going through each of the albums especially, and I, I listened to them from like first to last, you know, and I just, it felt like kind of tracking my life in a lot of ways. And I was like, oh, this is really cool to see how well she speaks to her generation, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, or they speak, because she's not the only songwriter, but. Anyway, so I loved it. It I know, and I don't usually get as into pop, but I just thought this album kind of surprised me. It was number one. I'll listen to it over and over, and we'll keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love what you said though about it, because I think the reason why it is my number one is it applies so much to how I feel right now. Mm -hmm. um, and also like when it came out, so it came out maybe during one of the worst seasons of life ever, um, and it's just. It reminds me of, so it was like right when I became a pastor and we hired one of my best friends to like be my associate pastor, which was a horrible idea because he was a, a hardcore alcoholic and cocaine addict. And um, the whole summer was me like cleaning up his messes and like depending on him and him like falling short. And it was like the breakdown of our relationship because we were like really tight and then we weren't. Um, and I felt like, so I would listen to this while I would drive our like horrible GMC gray pickup truck that like didn't work and would stall all the time. It was always attached to this like huge trailer with every single thing that we needed to make church happen. And um, like I would listen to Fake Happy and be like, this is the song for today. <laughs> like I have to go and act like I'm, uh, you know, like it, uh, this, you know, like spirit-filled leader when really I just want to go punch this person mm. um yeah and it, I though like maybe I'm not there still like it's still the kind of that season of life because I mean that was only like what that was four years ago oh my gosh <laughs> 2017 feels like just yesterday came out in May 2017 yeah. May 12th <laughs> 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 oh the internet no I think I actually I wrote it down oh, but my notes are on the internet I think though kind of along those lines I've always been a super optimistic person just really upbeat 
saw mm-hmm. the best in people. And then you go through things and you realize, like, optimism, not that that's not a wonderful thing, but it's a very useful thing. And, like, um, kind of the price of wisdom is innocence and in that, like, you, as you learn and understand and grow and, and have find maturity, you lose a lot of that innocent mm-hmm. optimism. And I think that this album says that a lot. And it just felt like, yeah, okay, I get this. <laughs> yeah, dang. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really insightful, kind of, to you talking about, like, their sound developing as they grew up and as we grew up with them, and mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely thought a lot about that as I was listening through to their discogra- discography, too, and I think it's a testament to the talent that the band has, because a lot of bands will try to change their sound, and it's disastrous, mm-hmm. but I feel like Paramore is a band that, like, honestly, you could probably get them to do most genres, and they'd be probably pretty good at it, just because they're talented individuals, they aren't, like good at one specific sound only um so yeah i agree like i was thinking about like how imagine if some of these songs had been on their earlier albums people would have been like what is this but it's like (laughs) as the band changes you know it's like you kind of grow with them and you're like yeah i I agree i probably hated after laughter as a kid Mm -hmm. you know i'm like this is weird and now it's one of my favorites but um uh has anyone listened to half noise Um, I totally forgot to mention that, but it's Zach Barrow's indie rock band called Half Noise, and they're like more like experimental, but so everything he learned from Half Noise is stuff he brought into Paramore, and okay. Half Noise is very good. Interesting. Hmm. I should check them out. I think it's a, it was a duo, now it's a full band. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because I know like, like on, on like No Friend, it has some really interesting, like I feel like... Idol Worship and No Friend are like kind of one song in my mind because mm-hmm. it really leads into the other but it's just some of the instrumentation on No Friend is really good so I should check that out but my number one is Paramore self-titled actually like Whoa. and here's the here's the weird thing this was alternating between one and three swapping with After Laughter because Riot I'm like I can't let that fall below number two but I really like self-titled and I really like After Laughter and I feel like if they had made an album right in between those two it would have been like my favorite Paramore album ever like something right between Mm -hmm. what they were doing at those two times but what I like about Paramore and admittedly I think it's kind of a poor experience listening through it on vinyl like straight through because it's like do you have it on vinyl? I do yes and it's good but it's like you know it's so all over the place you know it's like we're, we're trying all this stuff but I think that's also what I like about it. It's like, when else are you going to hear, like, a tango with castanets, like the Crazy Girl mm-hmm. song? It's like, song by Haley Williams. That's crazy. And that's, like, and that's like following this weird, like, Frank Sinatra cinematic song, like, Hate to See Your Heartbreak. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's also really weird. And, and I, I even wrote, imagine if this had been on Riot. Like, what would people have thought if, <laughs> if something like that, you know? Right. And then, then you fall that with, like, an interlude, I'm Not Angry Anymore, which is, like, a, a parody of, like, YouTube ukulele stuff. Um, it's so weird and, like, strange and stuff is happening, but it's, like, I just love the diversity of it. And, and that also kind of explains why I maybe didn't like Brand New Eyes as much, because it's not as diverse as this by far. But, um, you know, not that that's a bad thing necessarily, but... Um, I love Daydreaming. That's one of my favorite tracks off this album. It's got, like, this synthwave vibe to it where I just, like, want to drive at night in my car and listen to it. Um, and it's got, like, this 80s feel. And then um, 
the the first interlude is just brutal. The line where she's like, "Spill your guts and then slip on them." I'm like, "Oh, yeah, so Lord. good, yeah, it's so good." Oh, I love um, it. Jurassic Park, right? And then like, "Ain't it fun?" is just fun. It's fun to play on the drums. It's fun to listen to. It's good. And part two, obviously, but Future is so good. It's like seven minutes of just like this building. I love it. It reminds me of this band called Explosions in the Sky that I'm a huge oh, fan yeah. of. Yes. That just like, it's like these really long, drawn out, like electric guitar kind of building tracks that sometimes will just drop and then come back and it's like, it's so good. Future I really like amazing. the second half of Future. It's it's so good. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you say that because I was like all week trying to think of what that song reminded me of. Explosions in the Sky. Yeah. And also This Will Destroy You. Those are two bands that are very similar. Yeah. Um, that both sound like Future. Also, Be Alone, I put hashtag alone together. Like, this conspiracy. This came out years <laughs> before, but they, they repeatedly say alone together, which I thought was funny. But super punchy song, and, like, you can see a lot of the DNA of, like, Riot with, like, some of the aggressive punchiness, but without, you know, like, I don't think you can get away from, like, synth in this album. I tried to find a song that was, like, just, like, it could have been on Riot with no synth at all, and I didn't find one, but I don't know. Yes? I do you have a question? What vocalist could pull off what they do in Ankle Biters and Ain't It Fun? And some of the runs that she does in uh, Still Into You. Right. I can't think of a single vocalist, male or female. Right. I think, and I think Ankle Biters might be the closest to like a Riot song. Right. I don't know. It's pretty. It's but again, like attacking the vowels, like yep. very punk rock. Yep. To then like very soul. The way she hits the, like, you can grow up with that, like, guttural stuff in the verse is very interesting, so, right. I don't know. There's just something that I just love, like, experimenting, experimenting and, like, trying to find a sound, and, like, you could tell they were kind of searching in this album, and I actually didn't know anything about, like, the drama with the band at all, so my whole experience with this was kind of agnostic of, like, who was even in the band, um, mm-hmm. so I was just listening to this as if this was one contiguous band. I went back later and I looked at the little like Wikipedia timeline of like who was mm. in when, but I didn't know that. So I was just like, man, this is a departure. Like it is a, such a clean break from brand new eyes to be like, now we're doing something really weird. And then we shorted it up with after laughter, but there's just something about that, like groping around and trying weird stuff that really appealed to me. So like I said, it's not a, it's not the most pleasant, like, straight listen through like it's not like a road trip album where you just listen to the whole thing because you you'd be like explaining to your passengers why we're suddenly listening to like a 30 second ukulele song but yeah um, <laughs> but like i don't know there's something about it that really appeals to me and it feels like they're very exposed like they're just presenting what they had um and i i don't know if i'm reading too much into it but it's also the only album cover that has band members on it so they're just like here we are you know like this is what we tried and right. I kind of, maybe I read into that too much, but it was just like, this is what we made. Right. So, I don't know. Cool album, but very long. It's very the long. The reason I didn't listen to long. it is The Faros Weren't On It. Mm. So it was very hesitant, because I liked them a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Also, like in 2013, I was like really into You Blew It, so it made no sense to listen to Paramore. I mean, I was listening to Irish folk music in 2013. Five fifty six. Uh, high kings and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Let's keep talking so uh, can't go. Yeah, so <laughs> my number one Paramore album, Brand New Eyes. Aw, and you're holding it. I'm holding it in my hands. Aw. Thank you, Internet. Um, thank you, <laughs> Thanks, <Internet>. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> you really did it. <laughs> um, I think this is their most mature album lyrically. 
Uh, I said something like that. You did. Yep. <laughs> you did. You should just but say everything saying. Josh said. <laughs> um, yeah, everything Josh said. Everyone <laughs> um, I do believe that part of that is because of the drama that the band was going through at the time. And that's where I was saying earlier that I'm going to talk about the band drama about Brandon Wise. Because um, the, when the Pharaohs left the band, they even cited how... Haley was talking about Brand New Eyes as it was, like, this new beginning for the band, and, like, things were looking up. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you know, getting better. And the Pharaohs were like, no, that was not the case at all. Um, And I think that it's this really interesting contrast, um, or rather, maybe not contrast is not the right word to say, but, like, I think where you get a lot of really good and genuine and truly emotional music, whether that's, you know, um, really happy or not emotions, um, it is, it comes from real things. And so I think that the band kind of going through all this drama during the time of recording this album, um, it's almost like a lot of that energy was channeled into this. And so something about me a little bit is that I really like really dark, like storytelling, whether it's film or music or um, video games or books or whatever. Um, I like really dark emotional stuff. And I think you get more of that from this album than any other Paramore album. Um, Especially in the lyrics. And it's interesting because... I think, so I think Brand New Eyes takes what they, the sound that they had started in All We Know's Falling and then essentially taken to the next level in Riot, and it's, it continues that sound and just continues just tightening it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this album is really cohesive. Um, I know it's been described a little bit tonight as kind of like not dynamic enough. Um, and I, I think it's more just that it's, it's, it might feel not dynamic, but I I think that it, what they did was they have this sound and they really tightened it up with this album and just kind of came to essentially what the, the other two albums had been building up to. Um, even though Riot is obviously a much, much more successful album. Um, and it, it's, (laughs) what's. I was thinking about this as we were talking about it earlier tonight, and it's interesting because you have kind of, you know, we, we've talked about how a lot of Paramore can feel like the Haley show, and like, then you have, you know, the band members where this is still essentially the original lineup, um, and it's almost like you have your band members that are really cohesively making incredible music, and then you have Haley, who's this super talented vocalist, and they're kind of like these two different things that are, you know, while they're going through all this drama, it's almost like they're separate, but they're working together to make mm-hmm. to make this album. And I think that, like, so much talent goes into that on both sides of that, where instrumentally this album is so, so good mm-hmm. and so tight and so well done. And then I also think this is by far the album that showcases Haley's vocal talent more yep. than any mm-hmm. other Paramore album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it, it really, all that comes together, for better or worse, for the band, obviously, but um, I think it all comes together to this album to make a really, really powerful, super good, emotional, 
raw collection of tracks that um, you you don't get bored at any moment while you're listening through these 11 songs. Whereas with even like self-titled, like we're talking about, you know, you've got 17 tracks on there that all sound pretty different. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like, you know, after laughter, you get to around the middle of that. And it's kind of like, there's, there's some dynamic stuff going on. You talked about 26 doesn't really fit in there. Um, a lot of people who aren't really listening closely would probably think no friend is kind of a skip this song. Um, because it's, there's no melody to it, you know, um, vocally. And so I think that, um, in a lot of Paramore albums, it's, it's easy to find one or two songs that you might skip here and there. But for me, this album is like every single song holds your attention and has something to say, whether it's, um, really powerful or really ironic based on what happened to the band after this album. So, (laughs) so it makes sense that like based on everything you said why I wouldn't even listen to self-titled because I was like well that was the end of Paramore Hmm. yeah no it it does make sense and I think what's interesting about that too is that they they did a really good job of as much of a um I don't want to say mess but it as 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 much as the self-titled album is so non-cohesive with itself um they did come out and like release a bunch of really really good songs on self-titled um without the pharaoh brothers and so i think that it was you know there's obviously a lot of a decent amount of time between brand new eyes and paramore um more than any than the time between any other album before that and real quick to zach farrow's back in paramore what's josh farrow up to so he's writing a bunch of worship music now. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, like Bethel and... I don't know that he's on any Bethel tracks. So he, he did it, some stuff with Phil Wickham. He did stuff with Phil Wickham. He's right. one of the writers for Bethel. Interesting. I haven't seen him credited on any Bethel tracks, at least. Um, I'm going to have to look now, because this was all <laughs> news to me tonight. So it, it's interesting because... So you, you told Jonathan Crouch and I that Josh Farrow was... He wrote Make Room, um, which is a worship song that we do at our church. Um, and then that was on a Sunday. And right. we And then Jonathan and I got to rehearsal for worship that evening, and we were doing um, we were doing This Is Amazing Grace by Phil Wickham, and we, we pull out the chord sheet, and we're like, Josh Farrow! <laughs> yep. What the heck? Yep. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's still writing it. a lot. He's, mm-hmm. He is. Um, with uh because I, I think the big three would be so bethel phil wickham and then uh what what is like the the band that does make room community music. community music so that's the third one or community worship community worship. i think it's community music something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think that's where that's where you see josh josh farrow i i'm curious what bethel songs he's written i'm gonna have to look into it um yeah, and just for our audience, the majority of what I say could be wrong. I, all of it. I googled Josh Farrow Bethel worship, and I didn't find anything. Right? Did he's, you spell it right? He's written. <laughs> he's written a lot with Phil Wickham. Yeah, the, actually, when I wrote, I, when I, when I, I googled Josh Farrow and Bethel music, and Phil Wickham came up. Maybe it was something I I. Could have sworn he did like, I don't know. I'm. 
Anyway. <laughs> Everyone is furiously so googling here's, now. Here's the Wikipedia. <laughs> he was one of the co-writers of the song, This Is Amazing Grace. Josh Barrett, Jeremy Riddle, and Phil Wickham wrote the song, and it is featured on both Bethel Music's live CD, where Jeremy performed it, as well as Phil Wickham's The Ascension. Oh, So that did song that. appeared on Bethel's album. That's it, true. It first appeared on Bethel's album, and then it came out on Ascension, and that's where it got famous. Right. But I thought he was doing more with Bethel than that. Wikipedia says... Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no one knows. Inconclusive. No one will ever know. Right into the pod that if you learn anything. Josh, right into the pod and tell us, <laughs> and tell us what you're doing. Uh, my number one... Email? Sorry. Sorry. My yeah. number one is... Oh, it was Fong. What? Wow. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, couple of reasons. You know, I... I actually had a hard time kind of making my uh, my listing other than I'm sorry, but After Laugh was solidly number five for me. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I, I, so two weeks ago when we were talking about Skillet, you actually talked about how uh, their first album was fairly high ranked for you because of how new it was. There weren't a lot of other bands doing it and it for what it was in the 90s and all of those things that it was and and I I looked at this from a similar perspective you have we've already talked about a lot you've got a 16 year old a 14 year old a 12 year old mm-hmm. and this is what they came out with and it, when you look at it from that perspective I don't know that like you I it, it just was it's it's so good for how young they were um, also and this might just be corny but I, I talked earlier, I like when pop-punk goes a little metal, but um, there's a, a scream, uh, on my heart, Jason screams at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not very, like, it's not out there in the open, it's definitely background, but I was like, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this was the first album I listened to, right? Mm-hmm. And then I listened to all the rest of them, and it's not in any of them, and I was a little <laughs> sad. Um, <laughs> I heard, though that there's an EP version of Emergency where he screams again, and I've got to find that and listen to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that was my number one, and I know that that's a little bit biased just because of my taste, but um, I, I just how young they were and what they were doing, and what, you, have, you have a very young group of people, anyway, convincing a huge record label to let them basically do what they want. Uh, that's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and then, and then to actually do well with it. Uh, I, I, I think that that's really, really, really neat. So I will say to your point about like, there wasn't a lot of screaming on Paramore. I know Haley had some vocal cord damage in like 2009 that she was dealing with. Uh, and had to actually, like, kind of retrain the way she sang because she was starting to damage her vocal cords. So I think they were also encouraging her, like, hey, maybe take it a little easier. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I think if she had, like, just had some, like, more guttural stuff... I I don't even think that it needed to come from Haley. Sure. That background stuff from Jason Uh is, like, objectively... super good. ...really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And, And so I, like, there are other bands that do that successfully... 
I think that that could have been really cool mm-hmm. if they'd have pursued that. And this was that album was very much them like finding their sound and all of that. And I just I'm like I I can't help but think what if they what if that what if they decide that was their sound? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe the EP with emergency on it with him screaming didn't get received well and. That's why it's not their sound. Maybe that's what they want. Which is so surprising, because like even Fallout Boy, like Pete Wentz, screamed all over the place. Yeah. And yeah. take this to your grave and promote the core tree. So maybe this is totally just. We talked about how they were received better in the UK at first. Maybe it was the US that liked the screaming and the UK didn't. I don't maybe. know. Maybe I can't think of one British screaming band. Like Other than Gallows. Right, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. That's <laughs> yeah, actually true. Because it was the UK charts, not just oh. British. So. Yeah. so, yeah, maybe the Germans were like, ooh, I like that. Ooh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bring that back. <laughs> well, I'm saying that the EP with Emergency on it was not maybe not received well, and so then they, they took it off when they put Emergency on the album. Mm, I see. He doesn't scream in Emergency on the album. Interesting. Oh. Um... Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, we are going to be picking up our, it's such a mouthful, our pop punk pizza party, uh, summer 2021 in two weeks, technically from, you know, when you're listening to this, uh, in a week from when you're listening to this part, <laughs> this <is> two parters, <laughs> but we're going to be covering, uh, legitimately one of my favorite bands of all time. I like Paramore. I wouldn't call them my favorite band. Uh, but a band that I love uh, and just am so excited to dig into the Wonder Years uh, with our our friend that none of you have met, uh, Jordan Floyd, uh, who is on our Unpopular Opinions episode with Jonathan Crouch, who's the only person that isn't here. So I could just be making this person up and you guys would have to believe me. I heard him he on, on I, I heard him on the episode yeah. and I saw him on your story and he's the other guy with the mustache. And he is the other guy with the mustache. Sat in when I was gone. Uh, but I was like, "Hey, send us a picture of you like that we can use for like social media." And he sent us a picture where he's wearing a Mezinger shirt and I just was like, "Man, you are so pop punk." Um, <laughs> but anyways, it's going to be fun. I'm going to cry the entire episode cuz I love the Wonder Years so much. And uh, hopefully your taste in music just got a, a little, little more, more terrible. terrible. Thank you for listening to My Taste in Music is Terrible. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you listen on and share us with your friends. You can also check us out on Instagram with the username My Taste in Music is Terrible, where we will post updates and polls on what bands we should rank next. If you'd like to share your own ranking, first exposure to a band, request a band for an episode, or just have something you want to say to us, message us on Instagram or email us at mytasteinmusicisterrible at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope your taste in music just got a little more terrible.